to Deja Vu, the show where I talk about films and their lasting impacts. I'm your host, Sydney Brumfield. This is my fifth episode in the series focusing on the genre of comedy. And today, I am so excited to have Sarah Borsari with me again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's like, you know, I, I should hold for applause because yeah. I know like when I'm listening to podcasts, I clap. So like... If I ever see someone just clapping on campus, I'll be like, thank you. Yeah, and, they're uh, listening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my name's Sarah Versari. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the class of 2023. Um, I'm a cinema photo major. I minor in history and screenwriting. Um, I'm a, the president of the Stand-Up Comedy Club. Yo. I'm the scripted director for ICTV. <gasps> I'm always out and about. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So today, Sarah and I will be talking about the subgenre of parody, and in order to do so, she has selected that we talk about the infamous Monty Python and the Holy Grail from 1975. <laughs> so Monty Python and the Holy Grail is directed by Terry Gilliam, I think is how it's pronounced. You guys um, say it in a British accent. Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. <laughs> Terry Jones. Terry's everywhere. <laughs> so many Terry squared. It is written by the well-known Monty Python comedy troupe composed of Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, and Terry Gilliam, and Terry Jones, and then uh, Michael Palin. I feel like the Terrys are like, you know, the guys from Monsters University, and they're like, I'm Terry, (laughs) and I'm Dan, and we're dancers. That's actually based off of them. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, Famous conjoined twins, <laughs> Terry Gilliam <laughs> and Terry Jones. A quick synopsis of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, this film tells the story of King Arthur as he recruits knights for his infamous Knights of the Round Table. Infamous twice. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Just such an iconic movie. Uh, they embark on surreal, low-budget search for the Holy Grail, encountering many very silly, goofy obstacles. Uh, so, Sarah, why did you pick Monty Python and the Holy Grail? I was so happy that you did, but I want to know what the rationale <laughs> behind it was. Um, well, first of all, it's a great movie. It's yeah. just a great movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get old. Um, but I'm also a big sketch comedy person, and I feel like in film and, like, even in my own film classes when I pitch ideas, my professors will be like, well, that sounds like a sketch. Like, there's this kind of, like, stigma around, like, sketch comedy, even... I took a mini course with, like, this famous TV writer, and Mm -hmm. even he he was like, there's nothing valuable in sketch comedy. And I'm like, well, there clearly is, because everyone loves Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and it's a great example of, like, a sketch comedy film that works really well. And, uh, well, for those of you who don't know, the subgenre of parody is defined by mocking a genre elements of other film styles. Uh, I thought this film did that really well, and it kind of also combines, you know, styles, I feel like. Yeah. Um... Do you think it's done that well? Or in, like, which ways do you think it does it not well? I don't know. I think it does it really well. I wrote down some films it was parodying. Mm-hmm. Robin Hood, The Seventh Seal, Richard III, um, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Yeah. Like, kind of this, like, all medieval movies are so serious and yeah. kind of dramatic. Um, and I think this movie does a great job because it, it has a great hold on the genre that it's making fun mm-hmm. of. And especially because it's a historical time period. Like, there's such a wealth of comedic material from that yeah um i also like i wrote down i love the opening title sequence because i always <laughs> think of that like the sleeping beauty opening is like yeah. 40 minutes long yes and for what so they kind of like <laughs> make fun of stuff like that and i also feel like the production design in this is really strong yeah so it's like when 
a film that you're making is a parody and it feels like what it's parodying, mm-hmm. the jokes hit so much harder as yeah. opposed to like something that's par. par- ah, I can't think no, of an no, example, I know but exactly yeah. What you mean because there's um, one of the movies and and you made a note of this uh, that mm-hmm. I think it kind of is parodying super well. Uh, is The Lion in Winter. I don't know if you've seen that, but there's, like, the clip of, like, the queen coming back, and she's crossing the, like, the the river, the lake, or whatever, and it takes so long. And yeah. they do that in this movie, but they make point of how long it takes, where it's, like, they're crossing just, like, that little sea to get to where they think the Holy Grail is, like, towards the end of the movie in Monty Python, mm-hmm. and it just keeps cutting to the boat, and it just keeps yeah. getting further away, it feels like. Yeah. Um, and it I really also... is just so well done. No, go ahead. You're good. No, I was also going to say... I I think like the whole like medieval concept also is like what makes it such a such a strong parody because there are parodies of things like isn't it romantic is Mm -hmm. like a recent like rom-com parody but it's like it doesn't feel as like hard-hitting because you're the world that it takes place in is a modern world right whereas like this one is so clear like the genre is so clear and so it works so well Yeah. yeah Aside from like the the personal, not the personal, but the the more intellectual comments of it doing parody so well, do you have specific reasons why you like love this movie? <laughs> yeah. So I first watched this movie because someone I had a crush on in high school posted about it on Facebook, and I was like, well, if I watch the movie, like then I could be like, oh my god, I love that movie. Too. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's a true story from my life. Anyway. I'm sorry to laugh at it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> I just feel like it opened, like, a whole new world for me. Yeah. I'm also, like, I've always been a big history kid. I was a model UN kid. Like, I, I, I like films because I understand what they're parodying so yeah. well. It's really fun. Um, and I also like the concept of, like, a film that isn't modern doesn't have to tackle like the ideas of like cell phones and yeah all these types of issues and i also like that it's so like self-referential yeah like in the scene with galahad and like the castle anthrax where they just <laughs> look at the camera and they're like the writers really got ahead of themselves here. like yeah. <laughs> i think it's just it's so charming and it'll it's endlessly charming and yeah. i love it yeah i the first time i watched this movie was um my, my dad is like a huge, huge Monty Python fan. And mm. I was in like late middle school and my parents were like, you haven't seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I was like, you didn't show me it. <laughs> and so my first experience was watching it and having them watch me and wait for my reaction. <laughs> and I just remember the opening sequence of this movie, you hear like what you think is like the horses galloping through the mystical mountains. It's the woods. And then these two grown men come up <laughs> over the field and one is just carrying coconuts. And I thought that was the funniest thing to this day. One of the funniest reveals ever written in comedy yeah just so out of pocket (laughs) my dad does that too he when i haven't seen a movie he likes he's like you're culturally illiterate and i'm like dad i'm not culturally illiterate if it came out 40 years before you were born (laughs) yeah like i he also used to be like what do you mean you haven't seen animal house and i'd be like okay dad let's sit down and watch animal house and he's like no you're way too young to watch that movie i'm like so what do you want me to do (laughs) you think this scene should have been cut we were so worried when the boys were writing it, but now we're glad. I, you've mentioned this, that this movie does just feel kind of like a collection of sketches that follow uh, an ever-going and like increasingly uh, just absurd plot. Like mm-hmm. It just keeps getting more and more messy and more complex, and I love it. <laughs> 
do you have like a favorite sketch or scene? Because you know they're kind of like little bits in this movie. Yeah, I really like the, I, I, on rewatching like the first time I watched it, I love Tim the Enchanter and I love the <laughs> rabbit. Um, they're just so funny, yes. and when the rabbit starts flying around, that makes my life. <laughs> But now, like, watching back, my favorite is the witch scene. Yeah. When they're like, we've got to put... A, if she weighs more than a duck, she gets burned. Like, that whole kind of, like, long-running kind yeah. of bit. Because um, the... I don't know. I like that each scene is, like, the game the game of the sketch kind yeah. of changing. And I just think that one is so funny. And then when Arthur calls him over and he's like, who are you? You're so wise in the ways of science. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> Because he knew that, like, wood floats, or I Yeah. What the one is. <laughs> no, uh, exactly. There's truly just, I think, so many good, um, even just, like, quotable moments of this movie. I know my family and I, like, go around quoting this movie a lot. And I think <laughs> it's um, something that is really just kind of... I don't know, something that, even though this was made in 1975, has managed to maintain, I think, a huge cultural relevance, mm-hmm. especially with people who love comedies. So, like, I don't know, when my brother and I want to insult each other, but, like, not really, we'll just go, your mother was a hamster and your father <laughs> smelled of elderberries, even though we have the same parents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite exchange, though, is I really enjoy the the Black Knight confrontation in the woods mm-hmm. uh, where it's like, tis only a flesh wound. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. it's not. I've cut your arm off. It's like, it's fine. And yeah. the, the, like, overdramatic blood is pouring out of his open wound. That, I think like, 70s, like, cherry red yeah. blood. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Kind of looks a little yummy. Like, it's so red, it just looks like Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I know that was just, like, cornstarch, but I still want to lick it up. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you said that? What makes you think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt. A newt. Got better. Monty Python and the Holy Grail is a pretty old comedy movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like just thinking in terms of when, like, the genre of comedy was coming to be. I think in older, older iterations that I can think of are like the Three Stooges, but even then, like, and more just like miming comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I don't think this movie has aged that poorly, given it was made in 1975. Do I wish there were more women? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Do we wish there were more fully formed women? Of course. But even then, like the witch scene that you brought up, mm-hmm. she's very snarky and has a personality to her and is even convinced by the end. Like, it's not perfect. It's yeah. not great by any means. But when I watch this movie, I don't have to make excuses for the things that I'm watching, being mm-hmm. like, Oh, it was the time. And I really appreciate not having to do that. Yeah. I also feel like it's, like, that is also a trademark of the genre. So, like, the same way that Austin Powers, like, Mm -hmm. doesn't have, like, amazing female characters because they're making fun of a genre that also sidelines women. Yeah. And also, I'm not going to say that the 70s were a great time for women in comedy. No, no, no. Because it was very much a boys club. Yeah. um, And kind of, like, that whole, like, you know... SNL was maybe one of the only places where it was, like, women did have an equal stage, but, like, the National Lampoon kind of culture. Yeah. Monty Python culture was very, like, we're a group of guys, and a group of guys is funny. But, um, I don't know. I think it's also because it's, like, a medieval setting, like, because they weren't making any sort of, like, racy political jokes or, like, jokes about um, any sort of, like, social issues. Yeah. I think that helps it. So it's, like, we're in the medieval era, so we don't have to be making claims that are going to look ridiculous in five years. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I am happy this <laughs> this film has aged well. There's a couple parts where I'm like, come on, guys, but like, yeah. it's not as bad as a movie like say Animal House is. Yeah, hasn't aged well at all. That I can't believe you hadn't seen. Ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. No, like if if anything, I feel like watching Monty Python. The only scene that I'm kind of like is just the castle full of like virgins like yeah. that's that's where it's like okay come on guys but even then like it's not as if there's like a any vagueness about consent or the women not having autonomy like it's not a, it sounds so horrible to say it's not as icky as it could be yeah and i appreciate that and it was also the idea of like women being treated like they were making fun of the fact yeah. that like in the medieval era women were treated like objects and then yeah. also in like movies about that like the women are just there on the side while the men go yeah. fight so like i think it was almost like the fact that the women were like the like seductresses almost yeah. in that scene like that they were like hey guy like yeah. that was almost it was a play on like the whole like lady of the lake seductress type thing absolutely and i think the funniest part women having a <laughs> sex drive what, what? No! <laughs> i just really like that element of it i think yeah. it's really funny Aside from just a favorite sketch bit, do you have favorite quotes? Nee. <laughs> nee. I can't do a knee voice. Nee. Nee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I love the, it's when the monks are coming down to do the holy hand yes. grenade. Oh. And they're just going like, just naming like every number between one and three. <laughs> um, I just really enjoy. Not two. <laughs> Not two. <laughs> Four shall thou not count, <laughs> neither thou count two. Just like the, I I have been in that place before where I'm writing something and I'm like, I'm so tired and I just want to <laughs> fill my page numbers so I'll write a ridiculous paragraph that's like not funny at all yeah. and then I'll just like work with it and I think that that was one of those. Like <laughs> it reads as one of those moments where they're just like, we need a bit in here yeah. and we don't know what the bit's going to be. We've already used count the Bible three. beaters. Yeah. Like what are we going to do? <laughs> That's something that it's like, I feel like watching this movie, I've watched this movie so many times, it's any, anybody who knows me knows this is on like my top 10 favorite movies, because like I can never pick one. Yeah. Um, and every time I watch it though, I come away with like new quotes that I love, or just like new little segments that it's like, I didn't know, notice that like the monks are Bible beaters and that they're hitting their heads with Bibles until like five times after watching it. I'm like, <laughs> that's brilliant. Like, this is so funny. <laughs> Um, and it's also, like, with age, I feel like. The yeah. first time I watched it, I was like, uh, guy not on horse? Funny. And, like, now that I watch it, I, like, actually get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's more fun that way. Um, whenever I'm sick, my family and I quote the uh, bring out your dead scene. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> take them away. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> you will be. <laughs> I was watching it with my roommates, and, I mean, I'm a big fan of Spamalot, the musical. I love Spamalot. So we were watching and we were like, I'm not yet dead. I can dance and I can sing. <laughs> Bring out your dead. Here's one. Ninepence. I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your ninepence. I'm not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. Do you have a favorite character and why? I love Brave Sir Robin. <laughs> I, like, don't think he's, like, that integral to the story, but I yeah. just love the one, like, scene where they're rewriting his songs. And he's brave. He bravely ran away. Yes, yeah. he ran. That's just, like, such a good, strong, short scene. 
And then the fact that that bit continues, like, into his next entrance, so fun. So fun. It's also, like, I feel like there's no character in this movie that I could be, like, love that guy. Because it's, like, so, like, all over the place. Oh, it is. But what about you? I think, mm, well, okay. I'm, like, (laughs) tied. I'm tied between, because of the point that you just made, I feel like. It's it's so hard because I think the only only constant character in in this is really King Arthur. Yeah. And even then, I think he's one of the more normal characters because he he's like the one constant really throughout throughout yeah. this. He's like the straight man of the film. Exactly. Um, I put that in quotes by the way. It's a comedy term. I think I don't even know if he, he has a name, but the prince that is trying to get rescued from his tower, mm-hmm. who just wants to sing his little musical ballad. Yeah. And every time he's going to, everyone's like, he's going to sing, he's going to sing. <laughs> I love that little prince with my whole heart. Mm-hmm. And his father just doesn't understand that he just wants to sing. And yeah. it's very funny. Also a play on like the damsel in distress, mm-hmm. which I loved. But I think Lancelot, in that scene, if I had to pick like a knight who was my favorite, is very funny because mm-hmm. every time he storms the castle, and I think it's Lancelot who does that. Yeah. And he he kills the entire wedding. <laughs> they originated the red wedding. Like this is like <laughs> he storms the gate and it's just slashing everybody. Women with flowers, dead. People <laughs> holding pastries, dead. All the guards, dead. dead. And it's so funny to me. Yeah. Um, because I'm. <laughs> he gets things like, oh, you're a prince. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not what I was expecting. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Plus, every time I hear Lancelot, okay, back to spam a lot, but when they're like, his name is Lancelot, he yeah. likes to dance a lot. <laughs> who are you? We are the knights who say... No, not the knights who say me. The same! I think, and I, I could gush about this for a long time, that this film is brilliant. But from a strictly like comedy perspective, like you are very, very involved in the comedy community here on campus. You're brilliant at open mics. Stop. You, you and I have written some very Stop. funny scripts together. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you, you have such a command over this craft. So I was wondering, why do you think people interested in comedy um, interested? in comedy or just people who like funny movies in general should watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, I mean, the numbers don't lie. I feel like every like <laughs> best comedy movie list, yeah. best British comedy, best British film, like yeah. best film of all time list, like this movie's on it. Um, I feel like for people who like comedy, it's like a must yeah. that you watch it cuz also like I'm really interested in entertainment history and mm-hmm. this film like plays such an important role i feel like when you think about movies you're like ah it's a movie but like when you think about its place in sort of this this timeline of things that's really only been happening for a hundred years or so yeah it it holds so much more weight um and i also think for anyone interested in in comedy writing it's so it's so brilliant to see the way that they change their perspectives and motivations Mm -hmm. As, from scene to scene. And it doesn't feel that way, but when you're thinking of yeah. it, like, in the way they wrote it, it's very likely that they wrote this sketch by sketch by sketch and then found a way to weave it all together. Yeah. Um, it, and they weave it all together with bits. They yeah. use bits transitionally. So, like, the, the idea of, like, the cop 
investigating the murder of the historian. Like, that it's feels brilliant. like something throwaway. And yeah. then it becomes the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it helps make it timeless. Like, this mm-hmm. seemingly irrelevant structure that it has of just piecing together these sketches, they did masterfully. Like, this yeah. was not done carelessly. They didn't just throw this together. Like, this was thought out, planned, and then executed brilliantly where I love at the end you're not entirely sure what you just watched in the best way possible (laughs) you're like was this a bunch of men uh what is it called like goofing off yeah yeah, like Um, cosplaying in the woods like (laughs) oh larping larping yeah is this is this a bunch of men larping did they invent larping did they murder a a woman's husband like what happened and I love that and it hasn't lost that like wonderment for me Mm. and it's also like they do the credits at the beginning, which is part of a bit. <laughs> and, like, once you get to the end, you're like, oh, that was intentional? Because yeah. they can cut the film right there, and they don't have to put in credits at the yeah. end. So it's like you get that, like, sort of jarring feeling, and you don't have to wait. Yeah. And then be like, oh, the names scroll now. The beginning credits is such so- a good it. And you oh find new things every time you watch it, yes. like the moose, like the, <laughs> the moose handler, the moose handler, the, and it was like the assistant to the sixth moose handler. Like there were a million things in there. The and then when they're just like the credit design team has been sacked for the like rest of this project, and then it's just the most chaotic flash of color you've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> oh, it's so well done. Yeah. How has this movie influenced your own work, or how would you like it to in the future? Yeah, um, a little bit of a plug. (laughs) Well, last semester I wrote and I directed a film called Chopping Block, Mm -hmm. which was a medieval comedy about an executioner, like father-son duo. Um, And the son was like, but father, I don't want to execute people. And the dad's like, well, that's silly. So like, (laughs) Well, that's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. That was like a combination of Monty Python and then also the season two of Miracle Workers. Interesting. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. All right. It's a PBS comedy that's like really good. Or TBS. Um, One of the BSs. But it's not BS. It's very good. (laughs) Anyway, it's... All this is to say that it has already influenced my work in a way yeah. and hopefully will continue to. I My thesis project is also going to be a, a sketch variety show. So I've like already been writing that and like thinking about all the great people that have come before. And I also just feel like it's a good template for like writing comedy movies. Like yeah. it, if you watch more movies, if you read more books, you become a better writer. Um, and so... It's a little silly in, like, what I want to do because I'm, like, time to watch some film. And then I watch them and make, like, <laughs> like fart jokes for two hours. <laughs> um, That's how brilliance is born. <laughs> Sorry, I have to watch Jack and Jill by Adam Sandler. It's for my craft. Well, are there any other events? I know you plugged um, your thesis, um, but any other events, organizations, things you would like to promote? Yeah, I feel so slimy when I do this. But anyway, if you're ever on campus, if you're around Ithaca College and and you see a Buzzsaw magazine laying around, flip it open, read some of it. I'm I'm a section editor. I edit the satire section. So we have a lot of really funny people who write for that. um, And it's always fun to see. And then also, if you're a lover of comedy, uh, the Ithaca College Sketch Comedy Club, Stand Up Comedy Club, and Akadi Improv Players are going to be putting on a show together April 22nd at 6 p.m. in Williams. So Let's go! Keep your eye out for that. It's really fun. Last semester, the day we were supposed to do it was the day that Ithaca College went yellow and yeah. they canceled all events. 
and it was tragic. I so that. <laughs> that was sad. This will be my first yucks, even though oh I'm a second gosh. semester junior. Wow. So it'll be really fun, though. We do live sketches, which is the yeah. most uh, kind of like different thing about it because you can see stand up a lot on campus, but yeah. that's something exclusive to yucks. So, I don't know, pull up or something. Awesome. Like, use promo code Sydney Brumfield <laughs> at the door, and you will get in for also free, because it's free. Cause it's free. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me again. Thank You're you so for much having fun. me again. I love having you on. It's so much fun. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> And thank all of you for tuning in. Be sure to tune back in in a couple of weeks. Listen to Simi's podcast. (laughs) Be sure to tune back in in a couple of weeks to hear me discuss the subgenre of dark comedy with the one, the only, Massey Williams. Where we will be talking about the 2004 film Shot of the Dead. Yes. Check out theithican.org for more interesting and creative content. You can listen to any of the Ithacan podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at theithican.org. Thank you so much. Theithican.org. <laughs> That's .org, not .gov. <laughs>